It's time for the Dan Fugler for the Experience Podcast. Second, are you okay, man? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on out there? You got a tiger biting you? What? I'm okay. <laughs> I'm just getting Skype open. Okay, get your Skype open. Get it wide open. Hey, this we're recording, right? Yeah. Cool. This is the damn folk of all the experience. Oh my goodness, this is this crazy. This is the new year that we're having, aren't we? I learned. Uh, you know what I learned, Jack? When you're while you're doing that. Uh, we're going to call someone very special. We have a, we're going to do a call out. We don't do call-ins on this show. We don't want people calling us. I learned that this is the year of the rooster. Makes a lot of sense. Year of the cock. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> uh, in a lot of ways, don't you think, Jack? Makes sense to me. Yeah. Just look at the top of our president's head. Doesn't that remind you of some kind of foul? Yes? Come on, Jack. Stay with me. Anyway, he doesn't want to admit to it. He doesn't want to get carted away by a black helicopter. Oh, poor guy. You think he was born like that? Ah, poor guy. So I'm pretty sure that the thing on his head is an alien symbiote. We're going to find out very soon that it's got teeth. We're going to find out. We're going to catch him in the middle of feeding it. We know it likes Milky Way bars. We can't resist him. So, um, what the fuck was I saying, Jack? Are we calling this guy or what? Okay, we're calling him, man. This guy. This guy is very special to me. His name is, he's a doctor. Not at all. But I'm going to call him doctor. Let's call everyone doctor. Well, what was that? Oh, that weird Skype sound. In an octopus's garden. In the shade. Ooh, there we are, riding the waves that Tesla built. Hello, are you there yet? Hello. My word. What's up, brother? How's it going? Man, this is the Kyle Newman. Does everybody... Is it it? Is it Kyle? Kyle, is it you? This is Kyle. Oh, my God. Where are you? Are you home right now? I am at home, yeah. Good, man. Are you ready to rock? I know this is... I am, I'm ready. Calling you a little late. You know, I'm always fashionable. No, late. that's okay. I'm here. Is, I'm uh, home. I'm doing a little Mr. Mom at the same time doing some writing. Oh, you got, you got five kids <laughs> on... You got a couple kids under each arm and you're doing the laundry? <laughs> Vacuuming with my teeth. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> I want to remake that movie. I would love to remake it. I love that movie. You know what I love? I love that Michael Keaton's back in action. He's like my, one of my favorites. That's the best. I mean, that guy is a legend. No more no more Jack Frost. <coughs> Jack Frost. He is... Is he's that, on is it, that, dude. Bird, Birdman was, oh yeah, fantastic. And Do you, is there is there, did Jack Frost hurt him or was it multiplicity? Is that what got him off track? What happened there? White noise. Oh, I didn't see. White you, noise. You know, you know, when I look at that, I'm like, it's not his fault. He's he's just trying to work, man. He's trying to get. He's no, just, he's just trying to work. No, none of that's his fault. Anyways, Hollywood goes through yep. cycles Phases. and. Everybody comes out on the other side of it, and that's just what happens. I mean, it's, you've seen it with so many different actors. Stick around long enough. And you, you go literally through cycles. Everybody goes through it. Everybody um, 
dips, and everybody pops back up. And in a way, it's probably partially controlled, or at least harnessed, I think, by the teams and the, and the actors, because you need that. You need to come back, feel fresh, get momentum, get goodwill. That's, get that's, easy. that's easy if you've got a lot of money saved up. Yeah, well, that's yeah for the biggest people, you know. Yeah, it's like you'll see it with Costner. You'll see it with everybody's going to go through the thing. Even and you know Mel Gibson kind of forcibly, but he oh yeah yeah he's yeah. a wonderful talent and a brilliant director. And you know Braveheart, Apocalypto, he's done some incredible stuff. It's, it's old I can't. And, uh, you know what? He broke my heart. I can't. Uh, you know I'm Jewish. I love I what he's up to now. Do yeah, you? I, know, I haven't ter- seen terrible. Ha- have you seen Flaxjaw's Smanj? Yeah. It's it's a it's a great film. Is it? Do you I mean, think the cast he, is fantastic? You think and, he's going to win some awards? I've seen everything except that. I, I it, it again everything's momentum. It seems like La La Land's got this goodwill factor and it's got that going behind it. Goodwill is right. There's movies I love this year that aren't as fancied. Like I thought Silence was was a really um, oh, patient, yeah. breathtaking film. It was kind of like a. <laughs> samurai spiritual ver- religious version of like apocalypse now yeah exactly you know going i thought it was a cool movie just some incredible shots i just watched l last night that was fantastic oh right um, i didn't see that l simple like but but really well performed across the board and very well directed and totally tight hell or high water's great but i don't think that's the best picture you know it's just a right, good movie right. what do you think will win I mean, it's looking like you can't bet against La La Land. And wow. I had heard so much about the movie before I saw it. I had to hear the soundtrack 30 to 40 times before I saw the film because my wife watched it, loved it, and then she right. was playing it for our three-year-old, and he was obsessed with it. So every car ride I was listening to La La Land. Right, and I finally right. saw the movie. Yeah. And the movie was great, you know? Right. It's, it's like, I don't know if it's something people are going to talk about in seven, eight years, if it's going to be like The Artist or Crash, where it's kind of like, oh, what won that year? Oh, that movie, you know? I don't know if it's necessarily classic. Right, that's interesting. What's going on? You know, but sometimes, and sometimes the best movies aren't nominated and and don't win. It's a Wonderful Life, Citizen Kane. Exactly! Movies that stand the test of time, and they don't don't get any acknowledgement in their day, or at least not the highest accolades. (laughs) You know what? I... You know, you are you're a Kubrick man, you're a Spielberg man, you're a Lucas man. Yeah. So when I saw um, Arrival, I thought there were a lot of aspects of all of those guys' uh, work. Very much so. Um, did you? So yeah, it's what, not as controlled as a Kubrick film, mm-mm. and it wasn't as warm as Close Encounters or some of the heart of a Spielberg right. movie. But I thought it was there in the, in the psychological level, the intellectual and the philosophical level. It was trying to do what those guys were doing. Let's Obviously, talk- I think sci-fi, like my favorite science fiction, 2001, it's un- unparalleled. And that's very lofty uh, philosophical sci-fi. 2001, movie right. means much more than what's even on screen. I just think that that movie's like the eighth wonder of the world to me. It's not, I wouldn't even call I it I just a movie. saw it it's recently, like and I'd never astounding. seen it. And you know we're gonna do a Kubrick episode. I think next next episode, because uh, there's a Kubrick festival at IFC that we've been going to. And I oh wow, s- yeah. And so I've just been stocking up on Kubrick. Um, and uh, if you want to come on, why the hell not? Um, there's oh, I, there's I, so I much love that. To, so much to talk I about. I love Barry Lyndon. I love wow. Um, I, I, that's, Paths of Glory. That's a really oh, fantastic yeah. early Douglas Kubrick. 
Um, but Man, uh, he's, he's I'd never like, seen I'd never seen 2001 on the big screen. I'd only seen it on TV, edited for content, you know. So I saw the what the you know my God, I, I to see the first just the opening scene with what he did. It was the 60s, you know, it was before, it was the early, uh, late 60s, right? 66 or something, and fucking, they... It came wh- out in, was it 69, did it come out? Uh, 60, Maybe? I think so. I don't know when he, I'm talking about when he was on set and they were making this thing. Making it, yeah. Holy it's... shit. You look at just that first scene with the with the the monkeys, you know, that are, uh, you know, evolving. Uh, and what, the, what he did... Um, just facially with those monkeys, what they were doing, you you makeup effects. You believe you believe that they beyond. Were, you believe the that class. they were. Yeah, it yeah, was just so believable and an intelligence so believable and a sophistication. Have you seen S, science fiction that S legitimatized for, it? Have you, you know seen S for Stanley? Uh, wait, which one is S for Stanley? S for Stanley. No, I saw the other one. It was the room. What was the other one? It was a documentary about the all these Kubrick uh, the moon one. Two three seven room two three seven. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, man, I love that. Not, shit. I wasn't a huge huge fan of that one. I just there's a lot of. What do you think about all that stuff? I love that. stuff I mean, I think about it's interesting, moon. but some of it was very. I mean, there's very thin threads holding it all together, and it wasn't really. It was suddenly they cut to, to Tom Cruise and. Another movie, and they're talking about like right. eyes wide shut, and I was like, "What does this footage have to do to support?" The, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I I it wasn't doing a great job of selling it. And I wanted to believe the conspiracy, but I wasn't. Yeah. What was it? Well, I love the cons- I love the conspiracies, and I, I love uh, that room. That movie suggested that th- that documentary suggested that NASA came. To Kubrick, this is a wide, this is a widespread conspiracy that NASA came to Kubrick and said, "Hey, you know, we really loved um, what you did with 2001. Can you do that for us? <laughs> you know, make it look like we land on the look, moon." I love that, and, and what I've we researched a lot of the moon. Conspiracy I love it. I love, but I love the timeline that that he that he. Uh, that we, what we know is the moon landing is actually Stanley, Stanley Kubrick's film, and that, and that he, of course, is a genius megalomaniac, you know, and he has he has to he have people know that he did it. He has to have his put his stamp on it. He can't tell anybody. So what does he do? He puts hints and little Easter eggs throughout, you know, The Shining, and it and I just love the idea that he is the fucking he is trapped in a maze, you know, and he and. Uh, the idea that he can't—he's trapped in this crazy conspiracy, and he, and he can't really tell anyone the truth. And and that that film is arguably the moon landing is arguably the greatest you know piece of film history ever. And he can't. The most important. It changed the trajectory <laughs> yeah. of yeah, dude. Western civilization. I just the world. love that. I love that. It's, I love that plot line. And then what? Are, a, and and what are they paying with? Plot. What do they? What do they pay Stanley with? Because he's got Stanley's got everything. What are they? What does NASA say? Okay, here. Is a a lens that we that only we use, and we understand that you've always wanted to make this, you know, movie by candlelight. And then the next thing he does is Barry Lyndon, and what, which is a uh, I didn't see that till later in my Kubrick life, and I just think it's um, amazing. But as for it was still it was in college, and I and I and I was just floored by it because. 
you know, he commits so thoroughly to a concept and he explores every aspect of it and he doesn't really do it until he's a master. And, you know, in this day and age when so many movies are just rushed out and they pick a date before they even have the filmmaker, it's amazing that there's a guy that used to take all the time to just make these, you know, perfect little pieces, you know, time capsules. And uh, obviously space didn't end up that way exactly, but there's a feeling about it. And if anything, it's a time capsule of the era he made it. Oh, yeah. Uh, There's this book, Eyes Wide Open. Um, oh, okay. Which is about the making. It's eyes wide shut. It's about this author, the writer's time with Kubrick, and you get into it. He has all these files and everything. He'll never travel over something like thirty-five miles per hour. Um, huh. He's like afraid of speed. Right. Uh, there's all these interesting oh. things about him. You know, he lost a bet with Kirk Douglas. I oh, I, I what was the bet? They hated each other on Spartacus. There yeah. was some bet, and whoever lost had to leave America forever. <laughs> and that was him. And he lost. And he had and to leave had America to to England, And that's why he did oh everything out of England. God, that's, that's at least why. what the, the rumor is. That's yeah, amazing. he held to his word. I have, I, I, after seeing 2001 on the big screen like that and seeing everything laid out in, you know, giant-sized, as far as I was concerned, it was um, that first scene I felt like, you know that was the seeds for Planet of the Apes. You know, and then I, I was, and then I saw another scene. I was like, oh my god, that's a scene for the incredibly long, you know, you know, um, docking sequences in fucking Star Trek. That's fucking Star Wars. That's fucking oh, yeah. you know Terminator. I was like, this is the this is the grandfather of all of of all of these blockbuster movies. It's incredible. Um, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, one time I was in college. And I've never done drugs in my life or anything, but I think I was a freshman, and for 30-something days straight, I just watched the Infinity and Beyond sequence, uh, the Jupiter, Jupiter and Beyond sequence, you know, the, oh, the third yeah. act of that movie. Going through the where uh, wormholes. super psychedelic. Yeah, I watched yeah. that every night. <laughs> that does, it does something. I just to... had the VHS, and I only watched the ending, Yeah, and it was just like this otherworldly thing, and I would go to bed, and I was like, it was just mesmerizing. It does something to you because when I was in that movie theater, I can't believe you didn't have to be on anything. You know, you're in that movie and it's doing something to you. It's hypnotizing you. It is. And you get to that part of the sequence where you're traveling through space time and, you know, the, everything's going technicolor. <laughs> and they even talk about, I love in Spaceballs where they're just all, we're going to fucking Technicolor or whatever. You know, everyone's plaid. Paying, we're plaid. <laughs> we're plaid. They've gone plaid. They've gone plaid. You know, everything is paying homage to this. And then he gets to the other side of that. And then he's switching point of view with the, you know, he's an old man and, and he's looking at himself. And my God, it, it was just genius. Genius. Uh, anyway, uh, let's, you, you, there's a script you got to read. What is it? My buddy wrote this movie and it's, it's about Kubrick's time making and developing 2001 with, with, um, Arthur C. Clarke. I'm in, I want to play Kubrick. Dude, it. it's, it's a great script. It's just this great, it's a cool, it's all about, they're at the World's Fair, they're throwing around the ideas, they're shooting for a year. Send and it, he's send got it this to me. interesting relationship with Clark, and Clark is also an older man. He has, he's homosexual. He has a lover in Sri Lanka, and it's all kept secret. And there's this just interesting backstory to the whole making of 2001. I've always wanted to um, play Kubrick ever since. I, I just feel like 
uh, we kind of look like uh, similar and you, uh, you could do it and i there is this movie that's out um that is basically uh a, this story that we're talking about where nasa comes and taps him to do the moon landing and it's um and that script um is written by Stephanie Folsom it was out on the blacklist and i've been re- and it's r- right now they're casting it and i'm i'm really want to play that part um i don't know what's going on with it uh they'll they'll probably give it to some schmeckle like Galifianakis or something but i uh, what, what what i what i want is uh what i always wanted to play him so i'll do it at, by any means necessary uh, tell me uh, about the script more. I want fucking just send it to me. I want to read it, man. I want to I'll talk about uh, also another person, which is uh, I heard it on the X, man. How are we gonna get this oh, movie made? That'd be uh, my goal. You know, that's one of my dream projects. That's one of your dream projects. And the Wolfman. You know, for people that don't know, that's um, you know Ernie Klein, who created Virtual Writer Fanboys, and he had this other idea to delve into the legend of Wolfman Jack, which was this unparalleled, ridiculous rock and roll man with no name, Western, Oh God, yeah. uh, set against the backdrop of, you know, the early sixties and, um, R and B and soul music and cultural change. And, but it's just two weeks in Wolfman's life and how he forms the legend and how he gets himself on air and his, him going head to head with a Mexican warlord. It's, it's, <laughs> it. There's nothing like it. And um, yeah, we've been talking about this one forever. And I and I really feel like we got to do it. We have to. It's too good. You know, I tell it to other directors. They're always like, "Why are you not making that one?" I'm like, "It's not for lack of trying." People are like, "Well, a period movie about old music right. hmm, doesn't sound exciting." You know, you're like. You're not seeing can, what it's about. You I know what I mean? It's like could, a uh, cultural icon that's asleep that people are fascinated. You know, they say the Velvet Underground, no one heard them, but they, they influenced all these musicians. Right. I think there's something similar with Wolfman Jack. I mean, totally. he influenced so much of radio and pop culture it's and the landscape of what we listen to um, and what wasn't taboo moving forward. He was this. He incited a lot of change. He was like the first shock jock on the radio. It was pirate radio before people didn't even know what that was. And he was a revolutionary. And yeah. it's 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 also let's, got a lot let's, of heart. It's hilarious. Let's try to do that, man. I want to do that. What yeah, about... We're going uh, to do it. Where are we with... Um, <clears throat> is Jamie coming on or what's she, what's she doing? She, she is coming on a few. She's finishing up another call, so she's going to cool. join us in a minute, too. Sweet. I, I, that's great, uh, Jamie King, folks. They're they're married here. Uh, married. They're married. And they have boys. a child. Fanboys <laughs> together. You guys met on Fanboys, right? Yeah, and then we met again a few six months later back in LA. We worked on Fanboys for three days, and we met again six months later. And we were both at different points in our life, and um, it's lovely. Now we've got two babies. We just had our. Nine-year anniversary in November. Oh. You're a three-year-old and eighteen-month-old, and you know. And you've got a whole family over there. I got okay. a whole gaggle of fraggles over here, man. I got my <laughs> my eldest is going to be five in July. I got a I got wow, an eleventh-month-old. Yeah. Uh, she's starting to stand up and getting all giddy about it, just pooping her pants about standing up. <laughs> uh, How many months old? 
She's, um, what is she? She's going to be, I think she's 10. She's going to be 11 in like a couple of weeks. Oh, wow. Um, so she's 10 months. And You had a big year. I got to say, by the way, Fantastic Beasts. You were so sensational in that movie. Oh, and everyone I know that's seen it, kids, adults, longtime Potter fans, newbies to the franchise, people are like, that guy's amazing. You were the best beast in the movie. You were the most fantastic thing out there. I loved it. I was like, this is... We went to see it opening night. It was the first showing, I think, in Los Angeles. We were at um, at the Universal City Walk. It was like the best screen. It was like an IMAX. And 7 p.m. show the night before it's out. And we were just like cheering the whole time. It was so, so awesome. I was so happy for you. And um, nice. such a fun... Uh, I love the Wizarding World. I go every couple of weeks. I'll take... My kids over to the Universal theme park. We'll go to just the Harry Potter for like two hours. Really? Yeah, go drink some butter beer, and oh, so they're wow. they're getting into it all. You love it, man. That's great. I love it. Yeah, it's great. It's it's Star Wars is the best for me, you know. But it's amazing me too. that somebody after and we that saw, we, I saw, created a world. I saw Rogue that One. Want to live in? I saw Rogue One for the uh, first time with you at that IMAX, right? Uh, yep. Oh man. Uh, yeah, my love is Star Wars. First love is Star Wars too, obviously. Yeah, that's what we grew up on. But I never thought someone would would have the. It's just rare that someone has the ability like George did to not only create a world but sustain a world, and do it successfully on screen. And there, there's a lot of similarities between the two. And you were on a podcast I did, and that's what we talked about a lot of these. Uh, yeah, what's your podcast cr- name? Say it. It's called The Franchise. It's yeah. on Howl.fm. And um, we, we, do, we dedicate, like, micro-seasons to full franchises. So with that one, we did five episodes of The Wizarding World. Like, yes. two, we did, you know, Potter 1 and 2 on an episode. And then we did both, you know, all the way up through both episodes of Deathly Hallows. And then we did A, a Fantastic Beast. And just want to get into it and be like, what makes this franchise tick what is the secret to it you know what makes it special why does this one work and other ones don't and it's really down to her being brilliant and protective and sticking to her guns and she is the true author of that universe and it's gonna be interesting like what happens in 10 15 years with potter maybe she steps back and it happens like what happened with star wars is other people take over you look at something like transformers and there was no real figurehead at the beginning and now it's just some people have taken it over, and you're like, what is it now? I don't even know. You know, but it's still around after all these years, but it's not, it, it's, the DNA isn't the same. It's not resonating. And I think Harry Potter's entering this phase where it's going to be, it can still get bigger. You know, all these movies, the parks, the play, which I'm sure she's going to go back to more books. It has a lot of longevity. And, you know, it's down to, to, um, Testament to her, you know, oh, being shit. the, the I mean, George Lucas type creator, you know. Absolutely, the, yeah. Um, and what I noticed was that, you know, being in it, being being part part of that world, being part of this, <laughs> the the you know the the whole wizarding world is. Um, if you, you realize how tangible it is, you know, I, I went back and because I was a Star Wars guy, and I went and. And that's a galaxy far, far away, you know. Uh, and this is, you know, there's a lot of elements in it where it's just, 
you know, he's a kid and he's a fish out of water and he's just, you know, it's he. Harry Potter is Luke. You know, it's the same. There's pl- a twist to what happened to his parents. Yes, it's and, the you know, same these- hero's journey. But for some reason, I, and it, it's because it, it takes place next door. It takes place now, Harry, yeah. you know. Um, and yeah. uh, so it's, it's, I think that's why it's grabbed so many people, man. Um, I, I agree. I mean, and I have like nieces and nephews and they all grew up, they grew up with Star Wars, but they grew up with Harry Potter too. And it's just like they had both. Yeah. You know, they, they, they were extra blessed. They got the double franchise when they were kids, you know. What's your favorite? There was an explosion after 1998 of, you know, kids get superhero movies, they get Harry Potter, yes. they get more Star Wars. They get, there's just, it's just like endless. They have zombies. They have everything you can imagine. They're making every comic book, every book, every science fiction genre thing into films, you know. And, you know, when we were growing up, it wasn't necessarily the same. It was there, but there was still a lot. Of, it had like a B, a B connotation to it. Like there are B movies unless it was Star Wars or Star Trek maybe, you know. Other than that, it was not looked upon in the same way. Which is but your... now it dominates all media and culture. Which is your favorite uh, Star Wars so far, and what what order would you put them in now? It's interesting. Um, I always find it hard to separate from looking at them as one macro story, stepping back and looking at the myth of it. And if it's just films and the experience of the film, which I, I weirdly can separate. Look, obviously, Empire is... You're perfect. Is that nothing your favorite? It's done, my though. favorite. Empire is my favorite. It's a lot I love Empire, but nothing could be done without a new hope. And so of course. all the building blocks, all the grammar, all the visual. Um, but that one work for some is reason done in a new hope. You know so why Empire, Empire is what, effortlessly. You know why Empire still stands alone, even though that's true. You, you wouldn't have Empire without a new hope. Empire has nothing to do really with the Death Star. You know, There's, no, they're just on the run. They don't they're not trying to blow up have... the Death Star. That's like the only one they're not trying to blow up. The they're just trying to survive. And you know what's great about Rogue One? It served a couple of purposes, but it, what it did was it elevated. Um, I loved it. I fucking. The Death Star oh, I almost. I, dude, I was. I was like sitting. One-off. I was sitting next to you in the movie theater, and I'm sorry when I saw it, and I'm sorry if I, I ruined the experience. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't, but I kept turning to Kyle, and just saying yes. Yes, thank you. This is working. Yes. I am. This is I, wonderful. It it adds another dimension when you go back and watch A New Hope. You realize the the you know the the one fault was built into it. It was a sacrifice. Right. The whole story behind it. it wasn't just like oh some really obvious easy thing. And maybe it's retconning it, but it still works. And then you go watch Return of the Jedi, and you're like, they were all in on this tech for the past twenty something years. And I've read some of the novels that take place earlier where you meet the Urso family when he's being courted into the program and how he gets pulled in, how he creates all this. Huh. And um you even Return of the Jedi, you're like, Oh, it's not just a second Death Star and doesn't feel cheap. It's like of course they're building it. They they have this whole machine behind it. This is like the most powerful thing, you know, tapping into these giant crystals, which are the same crystals that power lightsabers. That was amazing. Obviously, the Empire has a fascination with it. And um, and then you go forward, the super weapon is even a big part of Force Awakens. And then the the Death Star is a huge character in Rogue One. And the Death Star goes all the way back, episode two, there's the plans at the end of Attack of the Clones. And then episode three, you, you see it being the beginnings of construction. You know, so its through line is now through everything. And they did it in a way where it adds 
more dimension and context to it. So what they're doing is, yeah, they're prequels or they're backstories, but they're making the other films, they're enriching them. That's what I was glad they're doing. This doesn't feel so tangential. And Rogue One could have been terrible. And granted, they did spend a hundred something million on reshoots and fifty-seven days of reshoots. And but you do what you have to do to make the story work. Yeah. And you spend money to make money. And in the end, who cares? It's not our money. They made a they made a good movie, and I, think, I enjoyed it. And is it as yeah. mythic? No. Is it as magical? No. Does it have as much heart? It had heart, but in a different way. Was it corny and goofy? No. To tr- trademarks of Star Wars? Not really. It wasn't like screwball, but it was its own thing, and it stood aside it, and it had the right if texture. My, if my daughter, when my daughter, I'm sure my daughter's going to want to watch these movies uh, when when she's ready. Uh, I'm going to say this is how you how we're going to watch them. You know, we'll do Rogue One, then we'll do Star Wars Empire, and then Episode Three, and then Jedi. And then maybe if she wants, we'll go back and watch one and two. See, and a lot one and two are so maligned, I, but I like them all. I will say I probably watched Phantom Menace. You Minute. saw Topher Grace's cut. You were there. I saw Topher's cut. I I've seen Phantom Menace a hundred times. I love the movie. I, I actually I love it. You love I, his version, really, right? And, and uh, there's stuff that George Lucas does that no one else does, and George is bold. The idea to put, like, a virgin birth. Oh, you you like the originals, yeah. I yeah. like the big ideas. The Force Awakens, I loved it, but there's no big ideas. There's nothing challenging it. George is like, well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to shake things up. I'm going to make a statement. I want to touch on myth, get into like this myth of like Hercules or Jesus. You know what I mean? And he's going there. And there's a safeness to the other movies, which I, I still I love them, but there's a safeness. They're not being bold. They're they're almost cannibalizing like Star Wars pulled from Hidden Fortress and. Dune and Lawrence of Arabia and all these amazing things, and you, then you watch Force Awakens and it pulled from A New Hope and Empire. Do you know you what? Know? Do you know what happened to me in Force Awakens? And I think that we should make this one of the scenes in, in Fanboys Two if we ever get to it. Is yeah. I, I somehow somehow I got mixed up and I thought that they gave Harrison Ford enough money to do the rest of the movies, right? And uh, so I, I didn't know that he dies. I didn't know. So I'm, sit- I'm sitting in the movie theater, and I'm watching the scene, and it's unfolding before my eyes. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is, this, this is the Obi-Wan scene. Wait, wait, why are they doing the Obi-Wan scene? And I'm just like, wait, 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 who, who's the Obi-Wan? And then I look out, <laughs> and then there's Han and as he's walking out across the drawbridge, I'm just all, huh, wait, no. Actually, in the movie theater, I'm just all, the child has has taken over my, and me has taken over my body. And it's just all, don't, Han, you know. And I'm just all, they're not going to. And then they did. They just robbed me of all my my favorite child of uh, character, the idol the person that I've ever loved ever. No one calls Han Solo a bitch! And they killed Han Solo before my eyes, and I literally became Luke in Empire. I stood up in the movie theater, and I was just all, No! (laughs) And then I sat down, and I saw that there were other people in the movie theater that were upset as well. I don't know if they were upset because I was screaming no like that, but they were looking at me, and they were just like... Yeah, man. Yeah, they did it. 
they kill Han. And I sat there for the rest of the movie going, not the rest of the movie, like at least for like a good f- 10 minutes after going, should I leave? Should I, I mean, why am I even here? I love Han Solo so much. And he's not going to be in the rest of them? Like, what the fuck? <sighs> and now Leia's yeah, gone. Now was- Leia's really gone. Leia's really gone. Although they'll they'll probably oh, God rest her soul. Uh, you know, uh, one one point I thought more. You know, they're in, they're obviously this new Han Solo movie in production right now, which is exciting. And they cast a young Han Solo. And yes, I, I thought be maybe in, in Rogue One they were going to cast a young Princess Leia, and then in another spinoff they'd cast a young Luke. And then you have three characters. You built them like the Avengers into it, uh, and they're solo things. And you could bring them back after Return of the Jedi, and you've got the band back together, and you have other people playing them. But you integrate them organically and but obviously they went with a cgi carry and you know i don't think they have a luke thing on the horizon but there's there's a lot of room you know and i don't know they're talking about a boba fett movie i don't know if you want is that opening up a scary door where it's just like yeah we we just uh, definitely made we just basically tarkin and uh carry you know we we don't we didn't need them you know to make this it is a scary door and well it's not. It's scary. Yeah, it is for everybody. It's scary because even people like Tom Cruise, he could pass away, and in fifty years, he's going to be doing like some malt liquor commercial. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus Christ! They're going to have the wireframe of he's going to exist in a digital form, and he already does exist. I'm sure there's there's bod, digital body doubles of him in Mission Impossible. You know, so you take somebody like that who's right. a global name, and or he's too old to do a part. Or Harrison Ford, he's too old to do parts, so and now you just do indie at 40. You go do another Indiana Jones movie, and he just does the voice. So there's a longevity to these characters and franchises, and now actors. So if you're famous, if you're George Clooney, you could be doing commercials or movies forever, or you could just go resurrect, you know, a uh, brand-new uh, Jimmy Stewart movie. Jesus. It's a Wonderful Life too. I'll wrap another lasso around the wood, and I'll actually you know, where, give it to you this stop? time. I mean, there's an ethics. So you're going to have the estates of these families. They're going to be determining it. If That's somebody's right. not doing That's well, right. they're going to license off Marilyn Monroe to go do a new movie with James Dean. Freaky. On a script that was never made, some some old, like, <laughs> Ilya Kazan script. You know what I mean? Like, who knows what's going to happen? Whoa. That's crazy, dude. It's so then, like, one of those... One of those posters that has all of them at a diner, like they'll make a movie out of that. You know what and I mean? And then guess what else? Yeah, guess what else? What? Maybe at some point they're going to create, they're going to put all these traits in a, in a blender and they're going to say, oh, fans love this and people love this and people like people with cleft chins and they like a little star here. Like, and they're, they're going to go make, make an actor named Billy Schmeckelwitz and he's going to be like Billy the biggest star in the world. Didn't Pacino make a movie? Pacino made, Pacino made a movie about that. He like invented a girl uh, on the internet. And like, oh, what was that? I didn't see it, but I do remember yeah. that. What that was about? I remember there yeah. was like some digital. He had digital lady that he, a digital actress that he invented, and it was really him acting. But you know, it's, it's he was like science fiction always catches yeah. up to reality. Always catches up to science fiction. I mean, totally. those writers are always way ahead of it. And you know, you just see it. What people are fearing right now with robots. What people fear. You know, it's like automated workforce and genetic. What do you mean, Kyle? And um, longevity. Please don't turn that off, Dave. Please don't shut me down, Dave. That whole scene, please don't shut me down, Dave. That was freaking me out, man. 
There was a robot recently that wouldn't acknowledge that it was a robot. There was like some test they did. You're and kidding. It was in denial that it, of what it was. I'm not a robot. What was that recent one? Yeah. That was great. Um, oh, what was the name I, of it? About the yeah. robot that gets out and then he like loses his... Ex Machina? No, that no, no, no. The one uh, Chippy. Chippy. Uh, uh, I didn't see Lucy. Is it Lucy? No, no. They're all about the same thing. It's about. Uh, it was the same guy that did District Nine, then did the. Oh, Chappie! Chappie I didn't not see Chippy. Chappie either. Chappie was brilliant. Well, I love. I love D. Antwerd. That guy. I heard he's in that Ninja. Right. Uh, in Chappie, uh, it's the same thing. Isn't it's he a, in it? It's an AI reboot. He basically the the robot loses his you know military mind and becomes like a little boy it's amazing he like oh. he's pinocchio you know he like uh oh, he would just it's really wild dude and then uh anyway i uh, what's your favorite fucking fanboy story dude wait what we say it again what's your favorite fanboy story like oh, favorite fanboy story Oh, there's some fun ones offset. Like we first got down there, we all went. <laughs> we went to this. Um, you had flea a different market, time the Mexican on flea set. market. We went weapon shopping. Yes. Dear. I remember I bought a a ninja star that was like crawl and had these blades that popped out. Like a glaive. Like it became like an eight inch star. Oh, buddy. And we bought a bunch of airsoft guns. Yeah, we were bored out in Albuquerque, and so then they they we were like, what the fuck are we gonna do when we're not shooting? So we all went out to the middle of the desert to these a caravan and bought machine guns quality, uh, um, you know, air like uh, what are they BB guns? Like you like when I was a kid, I would have gone nuts for one of these things. It looks like a it, look. I'm not a gun guy, but the BB guns. It looked like a real gun and it shot BBs out of it. <laughs> That were rapid fire, man. I mean, that is intense. It was crazy. We that had to wear like so armor much. and helmets. Oh, there was one time we did this three floor uh, war in the hotel in our hotel. I was. Dr- I had out. a. I had a got arrested. No one got arrested. No one well, got arrested. It was like people. The cops did come. Dude, was, uh, you want to? This is the story. This. I. Kristen it was me. Bell was a. It was she me. Was a, she was her and Adam Goldberg were war correspondents or something, and they had cameras. So they were embedded. Oh my and god! The two sides. That's amazing. And there was like this war going on while people were staying the at the floors. Hotel. The floors were covered up to their ankles with BBs. Barishel's room had BBs up to our knees. We were <laughs> we were walking into the rooms like that because the, the, we were shooting each other with the BBs in the rooms. He had katana blades and shuriken. I was like, Bar- Jay, how are you going to get this shit home with you to Canada? You know, he's just like, yeah, I guess I'll just leave it here for the fucking maid. Like, you're gonna look, <laughs> it, it looked like we were guess. we were insane. Dude. Every guest we were. We're running. Ninja sword. You remember what happened? We were running through the hotels, shooting at each other. And this is post 9-11. We lost our fucking minds. It looked like we were storming Normandy in this fucking place. And then the hotel guy is like, who, you know, we basically owned that hotel. All of us were staying there. The yeah. guy, uh, the manager was just like, you guys can't <laughs> be doing this. Please go out to the parking lot. So then cut to us running around like terrorists in the parking lot, like a bunch of lunatics dressed up like ninjas. And, and I had a, I had a Darth Vader mask with like a, like a BB gun auto assault rifle with like katana blades on my back. I look, I look, we were connected to a, it was an air force base. We were like that was, on an airport. Okay, so that's, that's extra, extra stupid. That's the extra stupid thing that happened that we did. So we're next to an air force base. What the fuck were we thinking? So then so everyone. So I look up. I look. Military police. So I'm in my po. I'm on my you know angle where I'm like picking guys off with BB gun shots off on the side, <laughs> and then I feel something behind me. I turn around and I see the popo 
fucking, the police are fucking rolling up behind me. I instantly drop my enormous looking gun and I just start walking toward the middle of the field. Then, I don't know who the fuck it was, start coming at me, shooting me. And I was like, no, wait, wait. <laughs> we're fucking surrounded by cops. So then we're looking around like, where did everyone go? Everyone left. Everyone was just like, oh, God, this is stupid. Let's go back into the hotel Let's because we're going to get caught. So we're the last three idiots who are – and everyone dropped their guns. And everyone <laughs> – so now picture me and two other guys each like, well, why don't we just bring all the guns back into the hotel? So now I'm holding five guns. It looks like we're about to storm the hotel and just kill everybody in it and take everything. And, and we have – Duffel bags full of BBs. We're like, we're like, they look crazy. And these guns look like real guns. They look like real guns. Them like neon orange. And yeah, no, this was like, you know, like fucking. These were not. These were not regulated, you know. And and we got them out in the middle of a caravan in the desert. So then, so then, it was really fun. But but then I turn around, I look up, and I see three cop cars pull up on one side, three cop cars pull up on the other side. I never dropped things so quickly. I dropped everything in my hands. My arms were up in the air so instantly. They were already out of their cars with their guns drawn on me. And I had my arms... Someone called in and said there was a shootout in the field next to the hotel. They thought we were like gangbangers or something. I had never... I was suddenly on... The, I don't remember much about it. I was suddenly on the sidewalk... Being handcuffed, uh, you know, and they were they were checking my IDs and they were saying to me, "Man, do you realize how?" Uh, basically, they they were saying, "If you didn't do exactly what you did, we you would have been dead." Uh, they and I said, "What did I do, officer?" He's like, "Well, basically, you started. We we saw immediately that you were an idiot." So I was like, right, of course, because I dropped everything and I just started saying, I'm an idiot. I'm so sorry. What the fuck were we thinking? BBs, you know. We, I, it was so stupid. So stupid. So then they basically, they let us go. They let us go. Um, and that was, you know, I thought I was spending a night in jail. They were just laughing at us. They were like, you guys are the stupidest fucking guys in the world. And, and we're like... I think, you know, what happens is is that we're actors and you say Star Wars and you say these things and suddenly, you know, people become starstruck and they're just like, yeah, do whatever the fuck you want, you know. It's, it, you get into these insane situations where you're like, yeah, fuck it, yeah, let's run around and throw ninja stars at each other. Ugh. But it was good bonding, right? I wanted you guys to dude, bond. Dude, I had a wonderful No one knew time. each other, so we went and bought weapons was the first thing. Because, so but, dude, it didn't... It people didn't, together like weapons. It didn't end there because, obviously, we loved doing it because the producers got in on it. We were just like, we can't just stop running around shooting each other. Let's we find the... We did the inside the hotel battles, and we then did, we did the, the production office. Yes, we moved to we the production. After hours. Yes, and then I remember someone... One of the producers almost got their eye taken out, and everything stopped, and we were like, what? Oh, fuck, it's over. And then he was just like, I'm fine! And then he just starts shooting everybody. <laughs> Holy shit, that, dude! That was like being a kid again, you know. And I and that was a, that was a good one. I, you know, there was early on in the shoot when Billy D. Williams came down. That's my favorite. Okay, that what was, what that was the best. Say? So here's what. So I had this call. They're like, "You have a call with Carrie Fisher tonight." First, it was like, "You have dinner with Billy D. Williams." So wow. like, amazing. <laughs> yeah. And we're gonna talk, all right? So then I go down to the dinner, and they're like, "Oh wait, Kyle, you have your call with Carrie Fisher right now." I'm like, "Wait, what? Who? Why would you schedule the call with Carrie Fisher in the middle of the dinner with Billy D. Williams?" <laughs> are, crazy. are you out of your mind? This is like the best day of my life, and you're what? So I go upstairs, I have this amazing hour-long conversation with Carrie Fisher. Wow. Just incredible, like. 
she's telling me everything about her life and Paul Simon and like what songs were written about her and how George, you know, was at her birthday party and George like just all these inside things on George and weird gifts he gives her. Yeah. And, you know, and she was the coolest. And then I go back downstairs to the Billy D. Williams dinner. Her, and right as I sit down, I, uh, my food's there. It's like cold. And they're like, and he's like, and that's all I've got to say about Star Wars. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you missed it. Wait, and they're like, and then, so a couple of guys are there, and they're like, oh, we'll tell you after. And then after, I'm like, what do you say? He's like, oh, uh, no. something about, like, uh, what's the second one? I'm like, oh, God, you guys oh, suck. No. You don't remember anything. Oh, you know? No. And then he goes, he was talking about painting, though, and I was like, because I paint, and he paints, and he was like, I love painting. Do you Two paint? favorite things in the world are fucking and painting. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> but he's like, I don't do much of the fucking anymore. So wow. it was like, it was all about the painting. Wow. It was just like, the, he, he was just... He like, was Lando. He's a legend. When he came up, when we were all, st- I will always remember, I was like, out of everybody, meeting him was he, I, I, because he was Lando. You know, he walked out of the limo, right? He shows up. We're all standing around outside the trailers between shots. Everyone was there, right? And uh, because it was, he was the judge, and everybody was in the scene, right? And uh, yeah, so he came out. We were all standing in a circle. It was all a bunch of boys, and uh, and then uh, and Kristen, right? She was the only girl in, in the whole circle of guys standing around, geeking out. Oh my god! Oh my god! Here comes Lando. So then, fucking <laughs> Billy D comes into the circle and says hello to all the guys. Hi, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Hey, oh my God, man, big fan. Oh yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets to he, just to all the guys just like that. Flat. He gets to Kristen. Suddenly the guy lights up. He becomes Lando Carreston. He literally goes, "Well, what do we have here? Hello, princess." Like fucking walks off with her. It was just like, what the fuck? He is Lando Carreston. He is. I couldn't believe he is. how he it, that moment. I'll always remember. How he just to all the guys he was just like hey hey hmm yeah hmm well 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 if it isn't the magnificent Kristen Bell come with me your highness and then suddenly they were on Cloud City there was a cloud and then there was a city she had buns in her hair she had buns in her hair Darth Vader was hurting Luke Um, do you want to make a fanboys too man I do I mean we talked about that forever I I would love I think there's just so much so much involved. Room to play. But I, I no, there is so much involved. But there's so much involved. Anything time you want to do. But a you got to organize the wine. You got to organize the Weinstein of it and the Trigger Street of it and right. We had everything lined up to do a TV thing. Um, I know, but still could happen. I, I, t- yeah, no. That is a good idea. I feel like another movie would be so great though to fucking come out amidst all of this Star Wars insanity. Look, the movie, that'd be awesome. And we have an idea. You know, we talked about what the idea would be for a while ago. At least it could be translated into now. Yes. And I think there's something to say about, you know, the fanboys back then when this was set <laughs> in 1998 and what the landscape of fandom was like. You know, we talked about this before, pre-Potter, pre-superheroes, pre-everything. Um, and it was this much smaller... Uh, world the fandom and now there's an explosion of it and you've got hunger games and you've got the twilight franchises and everything it's just everything's mass mass media and you go into a comic book store and it's all diluted and there's like pop funko vinyls and it's just like everything's commodified to the nth degree and you know um hutch would have his store <laughs> he'd be working on his store, he'd be like wait a second you know what i mean i think you'd be at odds with some of the 
the new stuff and like the yeah. the the people are genre fluid they're franchise fluid they go between whatever's hot that year you know right and we're like you know these guys were diehard Die star, wars. star wars you know that was yeah. it we're all in and there's something maddening about people that are like they're in, they think they're the, the expert but they're really not and they'll turn it off and they'll hop to the next thing that seems cool right. and that's part of it it's not all like that now but they program people to be like that. They need you to be a fan for that summer when the movie comes out. They need you to buy everything, and then next summer you got to switch to their other franchise, go on board with that. And there's not enough uh, mental landscape to to be fans of multiple things. Like I'm, like I said, I'm a pretty big Harry Potter fan, yeah, no, but it can so never much, compete. So much Star Wars, there's not room. There's so much television. I mean, I, I want to. I, I, I've gotten through three episodes of Daredevil, four episodes, one, two episodes of Stranger <laughs> Things. Man, like. The, it's what, hard. It's hard. Yeah, to, I'm trying to get there's there's not Daredevil hours, season two. Not I didn't hours, love Jessica Jones. Like yeah. it's if there's a, if it's not pulling you in, it's hard to. Commit. No, I I, I, I am it. pulled in. I love that shit, but I couldn't. I, there were earned enough hours to the day. I couldn't get through. I get get. It's just so much content. Stranger Things is so so, so great. Um, the nostalgia, but it's its own thing. How many? Let me ask you a question because we we I gotta we gotta wrap it up. And and I I love that you fucking came on. I I don't maybe we'll get Jamie on next time I guess. Uh, yeah. But um, how's she doing by the way? Jamie. Yeah. Trying to get her up. She's still on this other. Oh, she's a. It's okay, call. man. I I love you guys. We we can even. No, she wanted to come on. She was. She was. Uh, I we, think because we pushed the time a little bit, then she had to hop in. No, I go. get it. No. It's, it's not an but exact. Sign. She, she wants to come on, so we'll Hopefully get her she on. Pops in before the end. I'll get her on uh, next. We can do like a separate thing with her. I'd love to do that. She's she's down. She's really uh, down. Let me I let's mean, do she, that. I'll I'll do a separate thing where we. we okay. Yeah. Wait, what were you? You were gonna. I ask, was gonna um, say. I was gonna say how many. Films has Sam Jackson played a super spy in, including Barely Lethal. Oh, this is a lot, dude. A lot. I wanted him to do a. I mean, I, the reason I cast him in that, I just loved. I love him. The, I love him, and I love the fact that, in that he's in more of a comedy. Now Sam Jackson always does R-rated stuff. You never see him interacting with kids, and and you know I directed. But he's a super spy in it, right? I want it to be lighter. You know what I mean? He runs the organization, but it's a little goofy. I mean, he's training these five-year-olds how to do demolitions. You know what I mean? It's it's ridiculous. And he's doing the same thing in the Avengers. Right? Yeah, but and in Avengers, it's still you got to take it a little more seriously. It's cooler. He's still no, a absolutely. I just think, I think it's hysterical. This, I think that he should I mean, have. I just like that he was like on board to do something that was like a teen movie. I you love know? it. I think that uh, I just want to see all of his spy characters fighting each other because I see he's also. Oh my god! He's also he a spy. Play Say it again. He can play everybody in one film. Oh my god! And he, I just saw Triple X. I went to go see 4D uh, Xander Schmander. What's the fuck's his name? Vin Diesel, that crazy Vin movie? Diesel, yeah. That was insane. But he plays, <laughs> Sam plays a fucking, he plays a fucking uh, spy in that. And then he also, what I, I think there's like five or six movies where Sam Jackson is a goddamn super spy. And he runs the agency. <laughs> Uh, oh man, he's always running the agency, man. I think that he puts. I want to see. I want to see Kong Skull Island. I saw a picture that of that where good. there was. He I, looks cool in that. I follow Sam on Instagram, and he had a fucking. His, he had a picture of him from the movie, and the only text that he had underneath it said, 
I am the cavalry. <laughs> I fucking love that. Is he? Is that a line in the movie? If he is the cavalry, I think I'm that's a line it. in the movie. I want to see it. Someone right says, now. "Gotta call the cavalry," and he's like, "I am the in, in the trailer." I am the goddamn cavalry. He is um, so good. I mean, we <laughs> when he came down to work with us on that, that was that was. I wasn't sure why. You know, he's a legend. So you're like, he's is he gonna, how intense is he going to be? And then the first scene, I'm working with him. He's just staring at me, and I'm like, oh, does he hate me? Everyone warned wow. me about this. And after like an hour and forty minutes, he checks his watch, and we finish the scene. He's like, yeah, one hour forty minutes. I like you. You know, he's like, <laughs> he was just, he's like, I wasn't sure if I was going to like you, and I like you. What do you want to do? <laughs> and then he just was testing me. And he went, then he's like, give me ideas. What do you want to do? Give me lines. Give me. And he wanted to play, and he wanted to like, um, you know, improv and do different things. And everyone's like, don't ever tell him anything other than what's in the script. Don't ask him to do that. He hates it. And then uh, after a little, after an hour or so, he was just like, whatever you want to do, man, let's do it. Is so, it? Talking about Sam's. This is Jamie. She oh my God, she made it! What's up, brother? How you doing? I want to do a so good. Jamie King, everybody. I want to do, I want to do a whole other thing with you because uh, do you have time? Like next, I do. You do? Okay, let's set up a uh, time for next Friday because I'm in this. I'm they they kick me out. I only got a certain amount of time here, so I I want to do um, a follow up with you uh, next week. Is that cool? This yeah. This will be the teaser. Love it. I love it. Is yeah, Jamie, Jamie, and Dan are both in. You had a great scene in Fanboys. Yes, that we first met. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and you guys were both in Barely Lethal. And you didn't have a scene together. No, we did not. Uh, I'm gonna put you guys in everything. <laughs> I'll, I'll be, I'll be the one that always has three seconds of a scene in Kyle Newman's movies. <laughs> you had more than three seconds. I'm just, I'm just messing around. <laughs> what do you what do you do? That's what you do for people you love when they're like, uh, do a scene you're like, absolutely. Exactly. Just say yes. Just yes. say yes. I was I was I was begging him to be in it, man. Man, ooh, I needed some work, man. I was Oh just, my gosh. I, I was when I first Thank met God Dan. for you, dude. Thank God for you guys. I was at a restaurant in yes. Oh my God. It? We went to that one in uh, Midtown, New York. We went to the and After you saw the play? I'd seen your headshot. And I was like, oh, my God, God, this guy is Hutch, just from your headshot. And everyone's like, how do you know? I'm like, I'm telling you, this is him. It was the suspenders. Yeah, the suspenders. Did you say that you wouldn't make the movie without him? Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, and they're like, why are you so entrenched in this idea? I'm like, I don't know. This is him. And they're like, you haven't even met him. I'm like, I'm going to meet him now. But I'm telling you, this is fucking Hutch. And then I was. And then you were. And you're psychic. You know, I just get instincts with with casting and with, with people and... Sometimes it's not, you don't have to audition, you just know. You're like, wow, I know that this, with this, is going to equal something cool or different or special. And you just have to go with those feelings, you know. And with that, uh, I just, it was, you know, there's something totally unique about you that nobody else can do or does do. And I was like, that's what needs to be in this movie, this energy, you know. Because there's a, there's a, there's a heart. There's, there's some people that, it's so interesting, I think, being a filmmaker and an actor that, and Dan, I'm sure you agree that when someone comes and asks you to audition for something, you can go in and do your best, but you realize that just put me on the set, just, just get me on the set and let me do my thing. And, and I will be what, 
I need to be for this. Right. Because the sometimes scenes that you audition for, it's, it will never fully encompass what it is that you bring as a human being to the table. And I find that all of the best projects that I've done, I never had to audition for because they were looking for the human. And that certain, we all have a different fingerprint. So, you know, I never really understood competition in regards to, you know, acting. Um, I only admire certain actors, you know, and, and cheer them on because we all bring our own life experience to the table and either a person is that role or they're not, you know, it's, it's, it's when you have a great director and they know that vision, it's so beautiful when they can just approach you and say, this is the person I know it is. It's the same with directors too. I I have a lot of director friends that are super competitive and like, I don't want to meet your other director friends. So like, I like you, but I hate other directors. I'm like, why? I, I, I like, I'm not competitive in that way. I don't see it as, comp- I'm like, learn from it or just, just, there's something interesting about seeing other people approach it, but I'm not, I don't feel any, any competition with it, you know? And I think that's like, um, it's just a way I, I, I think, but it's, it is that way with, with you know you're talking about with actors you well, get there i feel everything. like you know, i mean look we're, we're about made, to have that I've just scratched the surface of what i can do it's all made just because you're dealing with so many other things and at that level until you're at a certain level and you don't have until you have protection or you have it's all you know bigger movies you have art departments and storyboard artists and previs and you make a movie like you know fanboys or barely lethal it's i'm storyboarding the whole movie you know right what do you what did you got you guys see a, a bunch of the movies this year that are up for Oscars. Yes. What What do you think is going to win? What do you What What do you What's your prediction? Movie I feel year. like Damon Chazelle is in a place right now where he is. Um, you think it's going to be uh, La La Land? Yeah. Kicking ass. Um, I think I think that film is a really uh, important film for right now. I think that you know all of us are dreamers and. All of us are the ones that are out there every day hustling. It doesn't matter what level you're on. Uh, it always feels like there's so, like like Kyle said, just scratching the surface. You know, I consistently feel like that. I, I remember someone asking me at Sundance, what's your greatest fear? And I was like, oh, that I'm not going to make it. And they're like, what are you talking about, that you're not going to make it? And And then I realized, oh, well, in my heart, I always have so much further to go, so much more to share with humanity, so much more to understand about humanity, so much more to, to give. And I, I think I don't ever want that feeling to go away. I want to feel satisfied and like I'm consistently moving deeper and deeper into my craft. But, but I think if that, 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 you know, that, that feeling, Dan, that you get inside your heart, it's almost like a anguish of of there's so much that you that you have to share that you want yeah. to share that you want to do. Not enough time, not enough time, yeah. Yeah, and it and you know there's just a you know I I really loved that film because it 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 showed that and uh um and I thought the soundtrack was really beautiful, but there's also so many other films uh hidden figures uh L um I gotta see you know L. Arrival I loved. Yeah, I love How did the, the witch get overlooked? I would say one movie this year that stuck with me more than oh, anything. I love the witch. I didn't see that. Oh wow! Was I couldn't put it out. It's it's an intense, scary movie, but it's not like a bloody horror film. Mm. It's psychological. It's just it's you know Puritans. It's it's amazing. Um, not that it's best. It's it's as good as some of these movies nominated for best picture. Just different. Maybe it's it's, it's genre was a limitation, but that came out early in the year, and it's still one of the better, more visceral, 
intense, real film experience. It's a wonderful film. I don't know? think that 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 we've gotten there yet in regards to awards season with with particular genre films. Like that's an, a very elevated uh, horror film. And I think that it'd be really great if things like that started entering the picture. But the movie more. says yeah. so much more. It's not really about the supernatural. It's really saying so much about everything else. Texas Chainsaw That's what's Massacre. Brilliant about it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre ended up at the MoMA. They were like playing out on the loop, like it, like it's art. So you never. Is know. it well? Isn't that crazy? Like yeah. it, because it is. Yeah. And it's just it's just whether people are what people are able to see according to their point of view at the time, and and we we know that the tides are always shifting in regards to what's politically uh, on point for people in regards to you know what's being nominated. I feel like. Uh, you know, there's so many films that go overlooked because they're not, you know, uh, necessarily, I guess, I don't know why I think fancy, but you know what I mean by that. You know, sometimes right. a simple, great story um, or something that really makes you laugh or someone that it is really um, speaks to that you. speaks to everybody. What about that? You know, I think there's we have a lot more room to grow in regards to acknowledging films that actually hit the wider population. Um and, and start to celebrate those well, as well. Fatherland Land was, you know, it's throwback, and it's Hollywood-centric, and it's seemingly escapist, but it has this, it also has this, you know, big emotional ending, which it's not totally, not totally, I don't know if it's ruined anything, but it's not totally feel, you know, it's, it's I like that. Thing. I and actually like that. So Spoilers abound. Spoilers abound on this show. You can say whatever you want. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it's, I wasn't totally, I was like, which way are they going to go with this? They're either going to go this way, and it's going to be, sweeter and it'll still work or they're going to go this way and it's going to say something and it's going to and it was almost more reflective of now so it was like this re remix of the old and the new into something fresh and uh, I, yeah that's probably why it's going to win and also it, it, for the most part it's you know saturated it's got a great soundtrack it's making people feel good and it is escapist and, i was just going to say that it's escapism, and the escapism because that's what seems like what what people are all about right now, or as great as Arrival is a different year. Um, you know, it could be something like that, you know. I was really disappointed that Amy wasn't nominated for yeah, Arrival. I, I, she's fuck? just so exquisite in everything that she does, I and know, she's right? my all-time favorite actress of our generation. And she's You wonderful. know, I remember Amy and um, uh, her husband, Darren, and I once went to a group acting class together um, back when we were kids, and... Uh, this must have been clearly over like 10 years ago. And we went to this woman, Warner Laughlin, and I had never been to a, a group acting class. I had always said privately and, and we're like, oh, well, let's just go and check it out. And I remember seeing Amy get up on there for this improv and they're like, okay, improv at your a Southern Belle singing somewhere. And she got up on this mini oh. stage in front of all of us and she just took my breath away and I saw my friend just completely transform and I was just oh. mesmerized and so then she got you know uh was it Enchanted is that the name of the movie right, Enchanted right. and and then I, I mean there's nothing that this person can't do and it's it was a really hard year I think for the best actress category because there were so many phenomenal performances but I thought hers was so beautiful yes yeah, she was I think she's um, very good. overlooked yes yeah, she was I think she's going to be okay, though. I think she's in everything. I think so, too. She's I think she's good. Um, she's I, good. I, I love you guys. I wish we had more time. I got I to gotta run. But uh, And, Jamie, I'm going to 
follow up with you next week and uh, Kyle. Perfect Friday. Yes. I, thanks for coming on. You guys are fucking great, man. Of course. Oh, we love you. Oh, man. Let's make Wolfman. We have to do this. Let's do it's it. It's our mission in life. Let's do that and fanboys and too. Fanboys. And how to cook your daughter. Yes. It's going. Yes. What is going Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that idea, actually. Playing Belushi, right? Yeah. You're, you're the man, dude. Um, you have the offer. Um. Uh, let's talk about that. <laughs> I uh, I have to. Uh, I gotta run. And uh, we love you. Love, love to the kids too. and the and the and the fam. Yeah, you a too, great weekend. guys. Thank you again. Great chatting, movies great. and life. Let's let's continue. Let's continue. You guys are welcome anytime. Thank awesome. you. We'll speak Thanks, next man. week. All right. Love you guys. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh baby, we finally got you the big apple. Really nice to be home. I want to say that right now. Round around your radios now, we're gonna get down and know each other a little bit better. Go play some of those nice things for you here, you understand? <laughs> <laughs>